You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Bible 2020 with Fiona Stewart, Jen Robertson and Neil Glover. Well, welcome back to The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart. I'm here again with Jen Robertson and Neil Glover. Hello to you both. Hello, Fiona. Hello. Now, this is our final episode tracking with Bible 2020, the reading plan. And uh, this time we're going to be revisiting the topic of God's love that we talked about this time last year. If you're following along with the reading plan, then you can find those readings on the Bible 2020 app. We're going to think really, I suppose it's going to be an interesting conversation today because we're thinking about how in many ways lots of things have changed. Everything has changed. But I think what we're we're also going to come back to is the fact that the love of God has not changed. Maybe our experience of how we encounter that changes, but it's the unchanging factor. So yes, lots of things to think about. Don't forget that from the 6th of March, that's next episode, we're going to go into season two of the Outspoken Bible and we're going to take a dive into the Gospel of Mark. Now, if you'd like to read in advance of that, so it's a bit like book club on Radio 4 or something, then uh, the the book we're reading, the chapter we're reading is Mark chapter one for next time. We're going to start with a deep dive into the first chapter. And uh, so if you want to read ahead with that, follow along with us, then uh, do that in advance. Last time we introduced a new segment called Glover's Off, where Neil Glover is going to go off on one and hopefully also tell us something positive that he's noticed. So Neil, it's over to you. It's all all positive. Um, So last time we talked about birds and Jen spoke about a bird called the dunnock, which I had never properly thought about before. I think it's also called a hedge sparrow, which I might have uh, known it as. That became the topic of my... uh, sermon on Sunday, uh, consider the Dunnock. Uh, Today, I would like to talk about gritters. We're broadcasting this in snow. We're highly reliant on gritters. There's a few times I've been on a road that wasn't gritted and it was very, very scary. Um, So yeah, gritters. And what I love is the sense of humour that exists in the people that name the grit lorries. I don't know, are you aware of this phenomenon? Oh yeah, yeah. Is there an app? Or a website or something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, they, I mean, some of them are, are fairly obvious. Like, there's one called Frosty. Uh, there's another one called Ice Destroyer. So, not much subtlety going on there. But there are other names. So, the one round about Dumblane is called Sir Andy Flurry. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, good. There is uh, one up near the Murray Coast called Goni Snow Day That. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the one near um, on Ayrshire, Burns Country, is called Tamil Salter. <laughs> okay. Nice. And there's one in Glasgow called Sweet Child O'Brien. Brilliant. I love it. I really love Brilliant. it. Um, there's grit a bit, and there's there's um, Sir Walter, Sir Salter Scott, and Lord Coldemort, <laughs> and you're a Blizzard Harry. There's others. There's a whole bunch of them. <laughs> There's a whole genre of how to name your gritter lorry. And so I love that that celebrates the act of gritting. I love the the joyous sense of humour about it. And the Bible verse that we tie it to, of course, is you are salt of the earth. Yeah. Oh, very good, Neil. Very good. I think Sweet Child of Brian might have gone past me last night, actually, because last ah. night I had been all day on Zoom and I thought I just need to get outside. So I went to the park, probably a bit risky, after dark when you live in the East End, maybe not the wisest, but I wanted to see the stars because we remember last time we talked about that. So beautiful night, but I gritter did go flying past me on Alexandra Parade and completely sprayed me with brine. So I don't know if it's sweet child. Very um, distinct sound that a gritter has. And you kind of, you, you always do that sort of, yeah. oh, flinch. 
Uh-huh. Thank you. That was a lovely Glover's Off. So a little shout out to all the gritters and gritter operators <laughs> who are amongst the listening population. <laughs> amongst the I wonder what the I wonder what the Venn diagram is of people who listen to this podcast and oh, people dear. who drive gritting, well. gritting lorries. Your decisions are always fair. They are firm like mountains, deep like the sea, and all people and animals are under your care. Your love is a treasure and everyone finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You give your guests a feast in your house and you serve a tasty drink that flows like a river. The life-giving fountain belongs to you and your light gives light to each of us. Our Lord, keep showing love to everyone who knows you and use your power to save all whose thoughts please you. So we're talking about love. Gritter lorry love aside, out clearing the roads, there's a sign of love, isn't it? Um, how did you get on with listening back? I was quite interested to ask, to start with, about your takeaways from last time and whether you had done anything about it, not in a, a accountability judgy sort of way. But Jen, you had <laughs> talked about wanting to express love more. I guess more verbally, and you talked about it in terms of social media and things like that. How did you get on with expressing love? Do you think you've done that more in the last year? I think I've always tried to be very positive in social media, so that hasn't changed. But I think what I was trying to say last year at this time was when there is um, vitriolic statements or comments that swirl into a real negativity and are attacking individuals and are just really unloving. I think I was thinking about that and what it means to be the person who speaks in a different voice. And Neil, you had said about, you know, for evil to flourish, it only takes, it takes for for good people not to, not to say anything. However, I really, I, I, I don't think I've done anything about that because I've, it would, would MD listen in the social media context and actually, Maybe it's actually just more important to be yourself in your own posts, that positive person. And, and I suppose if you... I think I direct message people a lot more than I did. And so if I see something that is hurtful or they could be upset or they've mm-hmm. expressed something that's a kind of... a statement that says something but they're not really saying it, I would be much quicker to get in touch. And you know, so in some ways, no, I haven't done that, but I don't think that means I haven't responded to what I was thinking about there. And just at the weekend, I messaged a number of people uh, through various platforms privately and just asked them, eh, what could I pray mm-hmm. for you today? And I was just, I was really humbled and struck by so much that people are going through. And is that a, is that a more mm-hmm. productive way of loving people than trying to get in on the angsty comments and posts. And I must say, I've taken uh, Twitter off my main part of my phone and put it back in the general apps because I just find it such an Mm -hmm. unhelpful place to Mm -hmm. be. Yeah, interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose we've got the conversation that we were talking about, but even in terms of what we've seen globally around particularly social media and so on, 
backlash, I guess, against some yep. social media and big questions about about the role that these platforms have. Yeah, Interesting, yeah. 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 Thank you, Neil. You were thinking about practical love. What was what does that look like? Yeah. So there's a, cu- a couple of things there. One is I, I, I. It is something that I. I am challenged by constantly. Um, Jen, many years ago, once told me the story of a minister who was near to where where Jen and I were working at the time, and a. The, Jen had been dealing with a young person, but anyway, had, had discovered that a minister one day had taken their laundry basket and the next day had returned all their clean laundry uh, to them. And I was really struck by that kind of love. And I, I thought, oh, I don't do that very often. And the answers I probably don't as much as I should. But this week, what I did was I, before my session meetings, I had two session meetings, I went round and delivered cakes to all the members of session. And it was really, really nice to be able to do that, particularly for some of them it involved going up some quite snowy, icy farm tracks to get to them. Um, and they really appreciated it. And I just thought to myself, I need to do this more often. And the thing that was a slight rebuke to me was about three weeks ago in, in Zoom, I'd said to folks who'd won a competition, oh, I'm going to come round with a coffee for you. And I still hadn't done it. And several of them said, oh, is this instead of our coffee? And I was so convicted. But the other thing is, and and, and I, I mustn't underestimate this, the number of times I've done funerals recently and people have just been so grateful for what's happened at a funeral. And I kind of think, well, I do nothing. It's, it, I, I say to myself, it's just words. But actually it counts for so much. So although talking about practical stuff is so important, I think that that some of the other things that we do, which are about supporting people and walking people through a difficult times can't be underestimated. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful. I think to think about that. Yeah. Because it, it maybe goes back to something, Jen, you have talked about, Neil had asked you last time about how you loved God and you then spoke about using the gifts that you have. And mm-hmm. yeah, I suppose it's that. Because I, I feel that in the last year, I feel like I've wrestled quite a lot with, well, I'm not being hugely practical all the time because I'm sitting in my house because I'm obeying the government guidelines, but there are other things that I can do. I, I chatted a lot in the, the last podcast on love about contentment with who you are as a person being an expression of knowing that you're loved by God. And rather than that striving to be something else or I mean I think we should strive to be better to improve who we are I totally but there's there was something for me about knowing that I'm loved and loving God back is being me and 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 not trying to be somebody else and I as I look in the last year and all that we've gone through around the world I wonder if lack of contentment has made it so much harder for us the things that we wanted to do that we couldn't do. Now, there's some things we wanted to do that, oh my goodness, of course, we're, we're distressed by it. We can't see people. We can't be with people we want to be with. But, you know, they need to go on a foreign holiday or they need to or, or go out for a meal, you know, sit in a pub. And, you know, these are good things. We all really I enjoy doing these things. But if we don't know that deep contentment of being loved where we are and who we are, then it's going to make life harder, not just this year, but in many circumstances. Uh, one thing that I think sometimes this year that has been a positive has been the proving of that, though. You know, so mm. so last year we talked about the Corrie Boom. I always want to say boom sounds more Dutch, <laughs> doesn't it? Say that. 
but I remember reading about her story and being quite struck by the fact that in my head I'd always thought she was younger, but in fact she's in her mid-40s when she's taken to the concentration camp. And I think I've I've often in my life felt very blessed, very fortunate. I've not lived through a wartime situation. I've not faced persecution on any significant level, on any level, really. And yet there has been something moments this last year when I thought, well, this is, this is hard. This has been hard. And God has proved himself faithful in his love to me and probably has built a deeper contentment. So I, I get what you're saying, but I think, I think maybe yeah. there's also a positive to that in that maybe we're finding yes. yeah. contentment that is not about the, you know, in the superficial things. And Neil, and Neil said that in last year's podcast about it's in, it's when you're not patient, you, you learn to be patient. It's when you're hateful that you learn to love. It's in the in the difficult thing that we discover more about God's love. Yeah, like, often. Yeah, Neil. One of the things that struck me when I was listening back was how significant a time that was for you. I don't even know if if you know we realised properly at the time the significance of what was going on. But this time last year, you'd just been diagnosed with cancer. You'd just lost your friend Graham. There was a significance and a weightiness, I think, to all that, wasn't there? Yeah. Um... I was very conscious of that as I listened. It was almost back to that time. And I think that, um, just listening to the podcast brought back a lot of the feelings that I had at that time um, of going through a massive transition, hearing I'd got cancer, hearing I was about to go through an operation. Um, at that stage, I think I used the phrase, um, it, you know, it looks like I'm going to be cured. And there was a note of uncertainty there. And the good news is, you know, now I... You know, pretty hundred percent sure that they've they've got a cure. Um, so that was nice to hear. But there was so much emotion and um, and and just feeling God's presence in the middle of all that. I think I used a phrase at one point. It's at the bottom of a mine that we discovered the gem that is God's love. And um, I, I I kind of slightly shivered because although I knew I was going to go through an operation, I didn't realise the extent of what I was going to have mm-hmm. to to face um at one point my surgeon said to me he'd never seen uh what happened to me happen in 700 cases or something like that so there was some there was some pretty tricky stuff i had to deal with um and yet god's love was there and it remains so and and interestingly enough some of them it's more than interesting i think some of the, the still big questions about the extent of the love of god um and discovering that are 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 very present still um, one of our readings for this section is uh, Romans 8. And I've always felt that, that to quote Romans 8, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God without having wrestled with all the other things that happened prior to that isn't particularly honest to, to the journey that Paul's gone on to get to that section. Um, but I was conscious as I listened that there was a journey into the depths to discover love. And... I think as well that, and something that we talked about in our discussion, where we talked about the magic of love, that that more and more I I, I sense the relentless, passionate, fully engaged love of God. In fact, I think "engaged" is too weak a word. That we are surrounded by the eternally present love of God, and someone isn't this is not an original thought but when we reduce god to being a, a an old man with a beard we also end up reducing god's love god is god is beyond all language god is beyond all conceptions god is beyond any idol that we make of god 
God is, is passionately inhabiting the world in Jesus Christ and the Spirit and the Father, three in one, in this eternal dance of constant love towards me, towards the world, towards the dunnocks, towards the sparrows, towards the people who are in the gritters, towards every every creature in all creation, this relentless, passionate love of God. And and we are so glad. And it, yeah, it's just a joy to be reminded of that through these passages. I think I came across a quote this week. I started reading Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson, who has a phrase that he uses, um, he repeats, which is, God is at war for the love of your heart. It's a book about idolatry, and it's a book about the uh, the idolatry of contemporary world. And um, that phrase really jumped out at me, actually. This idea is that relentlessness that you're talking about there. It's the relentless pursuit of of the whole being that I am on the part of God that, yeah. that just really swilled around and I was struck by what you had asked Jen last time which was about how she loved God and I kind of stumbled around we stumbled around the answer to that I think but I think some of it is about that wholeheartedness isn't it it's about I was really surprised after listen I listened to the last podcast and then I I went through these verses again yeah and I presume I must have changed significantly in the last year I mean I know I've changed in different ways but I it was as if I was experiencing my change as I read these passages again because I was, in a new way that I hadn't thought about last year, struck by just what Neil said without having heard him say that, this lavish love of God. That Psalm 36. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That God's love is full of good things. It's priceless. It's abundant. It's full of light. And then I was thinking about uh, Ephesians 5, live a life of love just as Christ loved us. And and I was just playing around with what that meant. I thought it's relationship, it's miracles, it's joy, it's hard work, it's sacrifice, it's beautiful, there's laughter, there's tears, there's struggle. And I'm sure that's because, I mean, I haven't gone through a lot of suffering this year. I haven't. Um, and, and that thing we've always said, that we've all experienced the same thing, but in very, very different ways. But of, I've evidently known that love in an emotional way, much, maybe much more than I've ever done, because these are the things that jumped out of these verses for me. And I don't think that's what I was thinking this time last year. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And that's that's both a, an internal experience, but I think you were talking about the being on the receiving end of people's love for you as well through the course of this year. Yeah, I, I'm being able to get, I'm being able to give. Um, I, I'd like to read a wee bit from um, a blog by Kay Morgan Gurr. Now, Kay has, um, she's, a, she's a huge experience in children's ministry and is an advocate um, for children with additional support needs and for adults, it wouldn't matter what age you were. Um, and she writes fairly regularly in various platforms. And her recent input to Christian Today was a reflection on what has what has happened to children's ministry through the, the COVID situation. Now, I had been reflecting on this as well, that there's been a, a loss of families and, and connection with children in a lot of our churches. And Kay just says, the places where children have been best supported 
were those places where relationships were built, contact was maintained and conversations happened, where the conversation on the doorstep when dropping off resources was just as important, if not more, than the resource itself. The message to that one child, even if unanswered, was vital. The conversation with a grown-up on a doorstep or through an open window with the child hiding behind them and occasionally peeking out was talked about by that child for days. The hidden sweet treat in a resource bag was cherished and remembering an allergy showed you cared. When you care enough to do those things, you carry the love of Jesus with you. Mm -hmm. Now She said it a lot better than I could, but that has been my experience in my home church of being on the doorstep, having those conversations, taking things that have a particular purpose, but mm -hmm. actually discovering mm -hmm. that the conversation was the purpose. And I knew as we give that love, that generous love of God, and we laugh and we cry together, maybe we then know God's love to us. Because we talked about that last year, didn't we? That mm -hmm. as we love, mm -hmm. we become, which, we which know is God's your, love. Ephesians it's a 5 verse, isn't it? Goes round. Live a life of love just as Christ yeah. loved us. Yeah, there's something circular in that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It's it's also there in the in the, the way that we've we've thought about where these verses about love, where Jesus talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, particularly come to the fore at the end of his life. And, and it's as if Jesus is saying, mm. with only a few hours left, the sum of what all that I have come to to learn and, and it is right to talk about Jesus learning because that's talked about in the Gospels. Jesus deliberately almost inhabits through choice a, a place of not knowing in order to go through the place, the place of coming to know. Um, that um, at the end of it all, Jesus is saying this is, this is, where it, this is the most important thing, is the love of God. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognise that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Can I move us on to thinking about the link between love and forgiveness? So that that comes up in the latter passages, doesn't it? So in the Matthew 5 passage, it talks about loving your neighbour and hating your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father. It's, it's complicated, isn't it? It's complex to get to know the fact that he, the sun rises and sets on the good and the evil. And maybe even we've experienced something of that last year in our in our global politics and so on. Um, but what is that? How does love grow our ability to forgive? Yeah, I've been on a, a Bible-based trauma healing group for the last few weeks, which I think we may be going to mm -hmm. talk yes. about in the future yeah. on our podcast and in months to come. And we were talking this week about forgiveness and being able to forgive. And we had an image of a bird in a cage and when we don't forgive as if as if we're trapped by all those feelings that that creates and we are held back in so many different ways but when that is the bird is let out of the cage it may be 
it, it maybe take ages and ages for the bird to be totally free. You know, it has to be trained to discover that it can be free and it circles round. And I know there's people in my life that I've held on to bad feelings about and not forgiven them. And part of my thinking was, oh, well, they would never come to me and say they were sorry. Maybe they don't even know that they would need to do that. And and so I was just struck by, by me, be, if, if I have to be like God in the way I forgive it, me, it's to do with me, that forgiveness, and being able to move on from that, even if I never saw that person again or they they never apologize to me I, I need to be that person who's full of forgiveness and that is be, that, that is worked out god needs to work, help me work that out in my life rather than you know just like digging a wee hole of you know because it could be quite mm-hmm. nice can't it and nice mm-hmm. and inverted commas to oh they did mm-hmm. this and they did that and there's a whole work to be done in my life i can i can only speak for my my situation of being a person that if I'm full of God's love and God wants me to be full of his love, that will also mean I'm a person who's full of forgiveness. Yeah, and there's something here that the, a knowledge, a real deep and almost tangible encounter with the love of God and being immersed in the love of God. And I love you drawing attention to Psalm 36 earlier, Jen, you know, that that the feast, the abundance of the house, yeah. you, you give them drink from your river of delights. All these things mm. um, pull us mm-hmm. away from an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. They pull us away from a, a way of looking at the world, which sometimes people call the reptilian brain, where we've just got to fight back. And I, I think we're we're being self-deluded mm-hmm. if as Christians we pretend that we don't go there. We we go there an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And and we need to be pulled pulled out of it by an experience of love, mm-hmm. an experience of forcibly, well, for, forcibly grabbed, of being healed also. Those things commits to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But that that also speaks to, and I think we talked about this when we talked about forgiveness, um, the, the verses about seven times 77, that we need to, sometimes that healing, loving balance, it's, it's something that needs to be repeated, isn't it? And to be honest about that, because do, things do come up again and again, or they burrow deep. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot done about this. That the whole journey to forgiveness, and um, I've got a friend who talks about that. There's, there's, um, there was a, there was an absolutely horrific thing that happened. Oh, I think about forty years ago, an attack on a vicarage in, in, um, in, in London, or I think it was London. I think it was Ealing. Yeah, and it was a guy called Michael Seward who was a well-known hymn writer. Um, he, one of his hymns, Jesus is King and I Will Enthrone Him, is really well-known. And uh, he appeared on the news maybe about two days later saying that he forgave the attacker. And I, I think that was a, a very courageous and brave thing to say, but we would be wrong if we thought that was the fullness of the journey of forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. And And what... What is very telling is the journey that his daughter Jill went on, which also involved that healing and forgiveness. But it took many, many years, and it came back, and and she di- she died a mm. relatively young woman, um, but she had also done an awful lot for um, for people who were survivors of attacks and abuse to ensure that the way that they were dealt with by judges was was much more fair. I, th- I think there was something that happened in her trial where something like the, mm-hmm. the 
the mm-hmm. theft or the assault was was judged to be far worse than the sexual assault that had happened to her. Yeah. Um, and a and she fought very hard to make sure that that would never happen again. So there's something about the story of forgiveness in Michael Sayward's response, and there's something about the story of forgiveness in Jill Sayward's response, mm-hmm. and and both are journeys that we go through within the love of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's it. It's the toughness, I suppose, of the the, the love. Is that is that a good way to put it? That um, we were talking before we started recording about, um, you know the role of forgiveness versus reconciliation. They're not the same thing. Yeah. But sometimes it's appropriate to think about forgiveness with the knowledge that it won't ever be reconciliation, but that doesn't d- diminish the forgiveness. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just pushing against the word toughness because I know people do talk about that tough love. Robustness. I think robustness is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's it, but it's it's robustness. It's about a determination. Mm-hmm. It's the thing, the, the word the Bible uses is endurance. Enduring love, yeah. That's There's right. a novel by Amy McEwen, McEwen, isn't it? Enduring love. Which has multiple meanings, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. And and this comes through in these passages here. Um the mm. the mm-hmm. Psalm 136, mm-hmm. his love endures forever, his love yeah. endures forever, the relentlessness of it by God. Which is on the one hand this beautiful thing, but actually there's a depth to that, isn't there? That means that regardless of of what of what we have to endure, the love endures. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So that anything that we want to take away into 2021 as we've come back to these verses? I sometimes... I just feel so lacking in love, and I, I don't mean that to put mm. myself down because I'm—I know I will always feel like that. Doesn't matter how much I love, I will—I will never be um, at the level of the love that is described in these passages. But that's okay because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it says in one John three that we read, uh, when Christ appears, we shall be like him, and it's a—it's yeah. a process of going on with God and every day saying and how. Give me more love. Show me how I can love. I, my own sort of just thinking about me and uh, just being content and knowing that he will give me the love I need at the time I need it. Great. Great. Will? Yeah, just what Jen said. Always. Love of God. <laughs> the, the, yeah. <laughs> love of God at the, the way we need it at the time we need it. Because I was so conscious that I didn't know what we were going to go through you know, when we read that last year, and it's, yeah. I mean, this is an exaggeration, but, you know, it did slightly feel like people in the Titanic not knowing the iceberg was coming. That's, yeah. that's a massive yeah. exaggeration. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what this year holds. Who knows? Yeah. What will happen if this podcast still exists in 2022, mm. and I hope it does, we will listen back to this episode. Maybe every year we should re-listen to the love episode. And there's there's wee tiny comments that... Sh- that reveal what Neil's just talked about. So I talked about being frustrated in my car when people cut in in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> I've hardly driven my car. Yeah. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yes. I feel I'm a better person for that. I do love driving and I will hope I will drive again. Uh-huh. But was that really very important? Uh, well, well, 
that be, I had other opportunities to sort problem. myself what was out. important was what was going on in you mm, inside you it was just a Absolutely. manifestation of that wasn't it it'll be interesting to see mm. when I start driving again more mm-hmm. if that irritation mm-hmm. is still there yeah or whether the perspective we have has shifted a bit yeah I, I, I yes I wonder this is a, just a big hypothesis I wonder you behind all the talk of we can't go back to the way it was before there's a kind of deep lurking fear that we're we're like bits of elastic that we've we're stretched but the mm. minute this thing stops pulling us we'll snap mm-hmm. back almost exactly yeah. to what we were before mm-hmm. and if maybe the only thing that changes that is an experience of the love yeah. of god the spirit of god yeah. the presence of god that's yeah. the thing that changes us. amen because otherwise it's it's there is no sense of discipleship is there because if we're being made more like him then we're being made more like him so my takeaway is going back to psalm 36 verse 8 they feast on the abundance of your house you give them drink from your river of delights Mm. for with you is the fountain of life in your light we see light and i've been thinking a lot about a foretaste and a moose bush -bush. a poem (laughs) with the word a moose bush that everything we miss, you yeah. know, so we really want to go back to be able to sit around a table and eat with friends. But even that is just an amuse-bouche of what will be in the great banquet that's to come. Uh, it's one of the great sins of the, the Christian life, eating too much starter so you don't enjoy the main course. Oh, that's, oh, what a profound thought. Thank you very much, both of you again. And we look forward to speaking to you about Mark's gospel and particularly chapter one next time. And um, join us then, beginning of March, for the beginning of season two of the Outspoken Bible. 